first off, nothing can go wrong with teenagers and molten glass. There's oh, just nothing. Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. Uh, this episode today is a conversation I've had with Melissa Masoda. And Melissa is a glass artist based in the Seattle area. Uh, she is a blown glass artist, so she creates vases and bowls and cups and paperweights and all sorts of things out of uh, blown glass. That, that in itself is very cool. But the interesting wrinkle to Melissa's story, as far as I'm concerned, is that she is also a art teacher at Sammamish High School in Bellevue, where for the past 20 years, she has been teaching high school kids how to blow glass. Sammamish High School has a glass studio and she is their instructor where she can teach teenage kids how to blow glass, which I just think is an interesting combination. So we're going to listen to Melissa. She's going to tell us her journey, her story, and all sorts of other interesting facts and tidbits. I think you're going to like this one. So here we go. Here is Melissa. Well, Melissa, thank you for joining us today. Welcome. I appreciate you making time on the weekend to do this. So I'm just going to like turn the mic off and let you talk. So why don't you tell us how you got started in glass and what's your story? How I got started in glass. Well, I was lucky enough to end up at a community college that offered glass blowing. Um, you know, one of the things I feel strongly about is uh, there's not enough um, career education taught in high school. Uh, I think there needs to be. And I was one of those uh, students who kind of got lost in the mix and didn't know what I wanted to do with myself. Um, my parents were both teachers and felt strongly about getting an education, but they kind of knew I was a little bit lost. So sent me to the local community college. Um, luckily I had very supportive parents. Well, let me um, interrupt you and ask you, where was the, where was the local community? Oh college? yes. I am from Pennsylvania and the local community college was Bucks County community college. Okay. Um, so I, remember one day looking through the course catalog going, what am I going to take? What am I going to do? And saw glass blowing. This was, oh, 93, 92. I graduated in 92. I don't remember what year it was. <laughs> um, and uh, I, uh, I saw glass blowing and I honestly had no idea what it was. No clue. It just sounded interesting. So I took the class and first class, that was it. I was hooked. Glass blowing. So uh, after spending about a year at community college, decided this is what I'm going to do. I moved on to um, a school in California because I, I wanted to get as far away from from Philly as possible at that time, you know, teenager. And I uh, went to California college. Back then it was called California College of Arts and Crafts. It is now California College of art, I think. Um, it's changed in Oakland. And I spent a year there, realized, you know what, maybe California is not for me. And uh, so I moved back home, I think, uh, spent another semester at community college, and then uh, ended up getting my degree from Tyler School of Art in Philadelphia. Uh, once I graduated... Um, oh, actually, let me backtrack. So as I said earlier, my parents both being educators. I remember my mom talking me into uh, being very supportive of me wanting to blow glass, but talking me into getting my teaching degree as a backup plan. And I kind of thought, eh, I'm not going to be a teacher, but all right, all right, I'll do it. You know, <laughs> So I did. And uh, I got my degree, thought, all right, now what am I going to do? Um, about a month after graduating, my mom calls me up and goes, Hey, I see there's this job posted to teach glassblowing in a high school in Seattle. And I went, Seattle? Uh, it rains there all the time. I'm not going to Seattle. And I thought, I'm not applying for that job. And she kind of persisted. And so I applied for the job. And I remember having a phone interview and uh, getting hired. And all of a sudden, I found myself going, Okay. I'm moving to Seattle. Never been there before. Let's do this. Knew nobody. Had about a, a week, I think, to pack up and move. Uh, sight unseen. And uh, I've that was 99. And I've been teaching ever since. And realized that I love it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
So on your, it looks like you have a master's in fine arts from Alfred University. I do. So and I just want to make a bad Batman joke because I'm thinking about Alfred. Sorry. No. It's just, <laughs> but I've never heard of Alfred University. So most people um, have not. Okay, so what was, what made you, why did you decide to go there then? I mean. So about five years into teaching, um, you know, I really missed being a student. Um, I missed being able to create my artwork um, more than teach. And so, and of course, let's face it, you also get a pay raise when you have that master's degree. So um, I started looking into master's programs and Alfred for Glass was one of the tops. They have the best studio, uh, amazing professors. They give you a full ride plus a stipend. They only accept two students um, in that program every year. And uh, so I thought, well, let's give it a shot. And uh, I got in. So I picked up for two years. I left teaching, uh, went to Alfred, had an amazing time, and uh, then came back to my teaching job. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And you've also uh, done some studies at Pilchuck, which is, you know, mm-hmm. kind of our Washington State's kind of... Glass camp. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's It's well known and all of that. I don't know how I want to, I don't know how I want this direction to go. So I think I'm going to just make, I'm going to call an audible and we're just going to start about your teaching career first. And then we're going to come into your art at the end in the second half. Okay. Sure. Absolutely. So, first off, nothing can go wrong with teenagers and molten glass. There's oh, just nothing. It's n- nothing. And I watched <laughs> this, this little TV snippet where your students were like, and we have to dress appropriately. And that's hard sometimes in high school. It was just, so, and I just laughed. I was like, Okay. What is it like teaching teenagers the art and craft of glass blowing? That's you know, it, there's never a dull moment. I'll tell you that it's. Uh, but as somebody, you know, when you find something you love, to be able to share that right there is amazing, and then to get students who just love it and get that spark is, I mean, it makes it all worth it. Even if it's one student a year, it makes the whole thing worth it. Um, Of course, I find I tend to hit more students than one a year um, that get very excited about it. But, um, you know, it's, it's awesome. And especially at that age, because I remember, gosh, if I had this at their age, I would have saved a lot of time trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life when I finished high school. And to be able to change that for somebody else. And I have, I've got several students out there making a living at blowing glass. So it's really awesome. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the story? I mean, Sammamish High School has a, has a glass studio yep. available. That's not a really particularly common thing in the school systems. It is not at US. all. Not at um, all. My son, like I, like I mentioned before, I hit the button. You know, my son went to Jason Lee Middle School in Tacoma where they have a glass studio. Mm-hmm. You, you then said that Wilson High School in Tacoma has one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like a football team. Uh, <laughs> most, most, most schools don't have a glass blowing program. Mm-mm. Do you know what was Sammamish High School's motivation to put this in? I do. So they, let's see, 1999 is the year that the studio opened. And they actually had the program um, in place before they hired me. And what they were working on was... um, trying to uh, turn the school into the arts magnet school of Bellevue School District. Okay. So being in this area where glass blowing was so big, um, that's what they looked into doing. So they, my understanding is they actually built the studio. They had hired somebody to come in and teach it. And then that person backed out last minute and they hired me. <laughs> How lucky was I? Um, right. And, uh, and yeah, so while the arts magnet didn't fully take effect, um, they obviously kept the program. It became a huge success. I mean, I've been running full-time, um, full classes, and it's just been amazing. So when you say full-time, full classes, how many, how many class periods a day are you 
teaching class. So, well, it's funny because the schedule has changed a lot over the years. Actually, back when I started, we had a full block schedule, which was four, I think it was four hour and a half periods a day. And then every quarter they changed. We're now on what's called a modified block semester classes, seven periods a day. So I teach five of the seven um, and get two periods to kind of prep and get ready. So how much glass blowing can the kids actually do in a, in a high school class period nowadays? Because, well, first off, at the time that we're recording this, there hasn't been in-person class. So right. I know you're not teaching virtually how to blow glass at home. You know, we were joking about that before, but <laughs> it, when, when the classes, so the classes are what, 50, 50 minutes or so, 45, 50 minutes. So three days a week, they are 55 minutes. And then one day a week, they are an hour and a half. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So how does that, how does that lay out for the students then? So in the, the three days of the week, what are they doing? Are they, are they actually blowing glass in that short amount of period of time? Or is it just in that hour and a half day? So they are blowing glass. And obviously, um, the amount of kids I do have in a class, um, they're not all working at the same time. So we actually do other glass projects, such as some fusing projects, some lamp working projects. So when they're not blowing glass, um, they are working on other glass projects. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then something else you mentioned, I'd like to just circle back to, you know, you, you mentioned glass blowing being popular, prevalent in the Northwest. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that, why do you think that this region kind of has as much glass blowing as we, as we seem to do? It's like, we got a lot of coffee. Um, you know, it's like, what, what, what do you think is the reason that, I mean, I, Chihuly's famous. Was that, was he the draw? You know, back in the seventies, uh, kind of yeah, Chihuly and Pilchuck, um, kind of came about, um, and I feel like that's probably when uh, glass blowing kind of became big. And I'm sure um, I've I've heard various things, such as the climate here is really nice for blowing glass. You know, you don't want to have a glass studio somewhere. I mean, people do, but um, where it's hot all the time. Because I mean, I've actually on the East Coast blown glass in the in the middle of summer, and it is. Ooh, <laughs> it doesn't sound like it would be enjoyable because it, it would be hot it and is, humid. It correct, and so yeah. with the. I mean, it's funny because my husband's from Utah. I always joke that it's not humid here. And, you know, me being from the East Coast, him being from Utah, he's like, it is humid here. But I don't (laughs) think it is him coming from Utah. So I I feel like it's it's a nicer climate because of the low humidity or different. I don't know. (laughs) So you're teaching students and they go four days a week. How many, how many kids are in your classes in a average class? Um, around 24. Um, I've had, I've had to fight to get that, um, for a long time. So we ran at 24 for the first probably 14 years. Um, we had the studio. So a couple of years ago, they actually rebuilt the school and rebuilt a brand new glass studio. It is just absolutely amazing. And there was a little hiccup between uh, the old studio and the new studio um, because we were closed for four years. And uh, we had a little bit of a class size hiccup, but we managed to get it back down to 24, which is still a lot for a glass blowing studio, but it is definitely more manageable than 30 something. Wow. So you had 30 teenagers with glass 32 i think at one point yeah, yeah. That's, i'm just laughing because that's just nothing could go wrong um <laughs> nothing could go wrong no i, I think it's, i think it's safety awesome that you're doing first this. safety first so what is the how do you you obviously have a curriculum in, a, in the goal here of the class is you know to get them through to do something mm-hmm. so in the, your first off are these freshmen that are taking the classes or is it upper I do. So each class is a mix, freshmen through seniors. They're all in it. Okay. So if, if I were to start in your introduction, introduction to glass blowing or whatever the the class is called by the end of the semester, what would I have accomplished if I had done everything that you had laid out for me? Well, we, uh, for the hot glass part, we start with paperweights. That's the first, well, 
this is, of course, after I've gone over all the safety and things like that. I spend a good amount of time. Uh, But we start with paperweights, um, and that way they are kind of learning um, how to use the tools, how to apply color, how to work with each other. That is such a big thing. You cannot blow glass by yourself. So Mm -hmm. learning how to work with each other and around each other. um, Because usually, if you're going to get burned, it's possibly from somebody else and, you know, not having that communication and, and working around each other. Um, after that, we, we go right into blowing. Um, so we learn how to, uh, blow cups and bowls. Um, sometimes we'll do a little bit of sculpting, making glass flowers. Um, and then if we, if we have enough time, um, we'll move on to vases. Um, now this is, um, simultaneous with the fusing. So, mm-hmm. um, we also learn how to cut glass, how to, um, as, you know, follow a pattern. You said you had done a little bit of stained glass before, so mm-hmm. you know, how, uh, you know, about yep. that. Uh, fusing luckily is not as meticulous as stained glass because stained glass, they have to fit next to each other, like a puzzle. These, you kind of just stack them and then melt them together. So it's a little more forgiving, which is nice. Um, so they're learning how to cut glass and assemble it and follow a pattern. Um, and then torches. Yeah, we use torches. Um, I often don't get into torches until the intermediate class, um, where I know they're a little more comfortable around things. Uh, but yeah, they'll learn how to, um, kind of make glass beads and, and, um, just safety of using a torch, lighting a torch and things like that. That's that's so cool. That's Insane, so cool. I know. Insane. No, it's great though. <laughs> and, and so you said you've had some kids go on and have a career in, in the glass industry. Mm-hmm. That's that's great. Yeah. For those kids that have gone on, where did they go after high? What was the progression after high school? Um, I've had some just go on to work at glass studios. I got one student who works at Glassy Baby. I've had one that worked at Seattle Glass Blowing. Um, one actually, well, I shouldn't say just one, but that I'm thinking of at this particular moment, um, actually ended up going to uh, California College of Art, um, getting his degree and then kind of uh, working a little bit at the Glass Museum in Tacoma, Uh, one that actually has his own studio open up in Arlington. Um, uh, Yeah, I'm trying to think. So, I mean, some some will go out there and and, uh, work for a company and some will go and get a college degree. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So... Because you're doing both, you know, hot glass and, well, it's all kind of hot glass what you're doing, but where are you guys getting the supplies from? I mean, nowadays, because like I said before, I hit the button, you know, doing stained glass spectrum was big because it was out of Woodenville and then Euroboros and Bullseye Down in, in Portland area. Back in the day, there was stuff from you know Kokomo or if you could really afford the stuff, you brought in the the, the blown glass or the from France and in Germany, if you could really afford the stuff by the square foot, where are you guys getting supplies? So there are, um, a couple of main companies, not many. So, um, color I get from Olympic Colorado and gaffer glass, both local, um, the cullet, which is the clear glass that you start with. That's been a scramble. Um, you know, spectrum was the big, uh, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Maker? I'm not sorry. Supplier. Supplier. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> they were the main supplier for a long time. When they closed, it was like shock. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Um, and then a company in Mexico actually bought their recipe and has continued to make it. Um, but then a few other companies have kind of stepped up and started making, but then some of them have gone out of business or just couldn't keep up with the demand. And right now I'm actually waiting for some gla- clear glass to come over from, um, where is it coming from? Uh, overseas somewhere. Um, I'm trying to remember now. It's not stuck in the Suez Canal, is it? It is not. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, but I heard it's on the boat. It's They've been trying to get it here since December is my understanding. I've got wow. a little bit left. Uh, so I'm, I'm gritting my teeth waiting as well. Um, luckily, the school has some kind of put away for when we do reopen, hopefully in the fall. Uh, and hopefully by then they'll have this all sorted out. I, my understanding is they're able to make it. It's just, um, they keep getting bumped on the, on the ship, uh, to get it over here probably for, uh, you know, 
medical supplies, uh, maybe. I don't know. Toilet paper. <laughs> toilet paper. <laughs> you <All right>. know. <laughs> so what, what is, I mean, this is something I've never thought about too, too much, but what is, so the, the, the clear glass that you're using, what is, how, how small are the pieces? I mean, what, and obviously it's being melted, but what is it? So there's two main types of clear glass. There's cullet and there's batch. Batch is the raw materials. Um, batch is ideally preferable, but harder to melt. Um, you need to run your furnace a lot higher of a temperature when you're melting it. And also it's dusty. Um, so you've got to be really careful and wear a respirator when you're charging. I mean, you, you do for cullet too, but cullet is not as dusty. So cullet is, is pre-melted and comes in kind of nuggets. People always joke, oh, I thought that was a wheelbarrow full of um, ice, ice, uh, ice oh. cubes. It looks like ice cubes. Okay. <laughs> um, so well, what does batch look like then before? Batch you... looks like white powder. Oh, so it's, it's just a... Literally oh, okay. the raw material. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yep. And some people have chosen to make their own... Um, I wouldn't even know what goes into trying to make your own batch, uh, you know, mixing the raw materials, but you know, you've got to have the right COE, you've got to have the right, uh, mixture. You know, some people will choose to melt bottles down, but then you have to make sure you've got all the same type of bottle so that the glass is the same COE. And then if you want to use color with that, it's very, there's a lot of science behind it. Uh, so for speaking of science, COE is short for coefficient of expansion. And what that is, is so when you um, heat and cool the glass, like a lot of things that heat and cool, they expand and contract. So Mm -hmm. you want to make sure that the rate at which they expand and contract is going to be the same as the color you're using. Every glass, depending on how it's formulated, has a different COE, a different rate at which it contracts when it shrinks. So if my color does not have the same COE as my clear glass, then it will not shrink at the same rate and it will crack into pieces as it cools off. We could have a whole yes, lecture series on the, on the science of <laughs> science of glass blowing. We're going to, we're going to overlook all that. So when you take the, the raw goods and put it into the furnace, first of all, how big are these furnaces? My at the furnace school, at, the, oh, at the school. Let's let's ask you at the school first. Let's school go the school furnace. I think is two hundred and fifty pounds, and I've got two furnaces. I'm I'm only running one at a time, but I I could run two if I needed to. Um, yeah, I'm pre- oh, gosh, I'm trying to remember now. I'm pretty sure it's two fifty. So that means it can have two hundred and fifty pounds of cullet there. Mm-hmm. For at the school. Do you run them at full at the full two fifty, or do you uh-huh. put you know only okay? So how long does that last? I tend to top it off every to every other day because the lower the glass gets, the further okay. the students need to reach in, the hotter they get. Okay. Um, some people who are used to it, you know, don't have a problem going in a little further. It is better to use the glass up before adding new on top. It's just better for the glass. Um, quality. Uh, but with students trying to be, you know, air on the side of safety, I tend to keep it full. Um, so, so they don't have to go in very and you're hard. Keeping the furnace, you're keeping the furnace going 24 seven to keep that liquid. You have to keep it running regardless of how full it is. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you were to be not topping it off, mm-hmm. how long would 250, I mean, you make a lot of vases, right? In your, I your, do. Your, My furnace right. so, is only 80 pounds. Okay. So, well, okay. But if I were to say here, you can use the 250 pound furnace and make your vases. How long, how many vases could you make out of a, a batch, if you will? A lot. I would say okay. each vase is probably about two to two and a half pounds. Okay. I mean, that's weighed after I have made it. Now you also have to account for the glass that's left on the blowpipe after you break it off um, and things like that. But may, I would, so maybe with that 80? included about three pounds per vase. Of okay, glass. So maybe about 80, 70, mm-hmm. 70 to 80. I'm not raw. a math person. That sounds right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, that's just because just, I never thought about these, you know, you're, 
I didn't warn you that these episodes are kind of like Grateful Dead shows. You say something and then I'm going to go off meandering okay. around for a while. Um, no, I just think it's fascinating. So you're, I never really thought about this. I mean, I did, but the furnace is going to be running. You're going to, you keep it running 24 seven. So literally if you decided at 2 a.m. to walk out to your studio, you could blow glass within a few minutes if you wanted to. You're not firing this thing up, waiting for it to heat back up. Okay. Not the furnace, the glory hole. I have to turn on and off every time the annealer, I turn on and off every time the color box, but the furnace, but the furnace stays on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So 20 plus years of teaching students. Yep. You seem relatively sane. I don't know how any teacher can do that. Anyway, um, it's, Sunday. it's Sunday. <laughs> it's Sunday. Um, share with us a couple of interesting stories from those 20 years. Uh, there's got to be a couple of, you know, like you're like, huh. Oh, uh, I've got one. Oh okay. my gosh. This goes way back. Do you remember floppy disks? Yes. <laughs> I don't know how many people listening will remember those. And I'm not even sure how this happened, but I had a student think it would be funny to see what would happen if they threw a floppy disk into the glory hole. Oh. Yeah, we had to evacuate it. Uh, lots of... Well, what ha- yeah, seriously, what happened? Burning plastic, black smoke, plastic, yeah. toxic. Um, oh, also, did you know... I'm sure you do know this. Not all pennies are 100% copper. Correct. That's pretty common, I thought, information. I told a student one time, copper is the only metal that is compatible with glass. So you can actually encase copper in glass. Well, he thought it would be cool to put a penny in glass, but didn't check that the penny was not from the year that was 100% copper, so they're copper-coated zinc. Well, zinc is toxic when you heat it up. So before I knew it, he's got hot glass dripping on a penny and green fumes and smoke and, oh, my gosh, yeah. So those two come to mind. Um, okay, so that's, that, that's, you know, that's some creative, you know, thinking, though. I mean, you you did tell him that, you know, copper, penny, and... Okay. I mean, at least he didn't try a nickel or something. I mean, you know, I mean, he. Fair enough. Okay. So, all right. Now, this is a subjective question, but of all these years of your students, the output that your students have done is, is anything like, did somebody ever create something you're like, wow, that's pretty darn cool. Not what I expected to see. I mean, has there been any real amazing pieces that have come out of the, uh, of the, of the students? You know, I, um, one of the funnest projects that I do, um, with my advanced class is I have them make glass food, glass food, food, and, um, they have got to make the whole kind of shebang, the plate, the food, the, the cup. And yeah, I've had some really awesome things come from that. You know, uh, they've made a plate with individual pancakes and the pat of butter. And the last one, they actually dripped you know, amber colored hot glass on to make the syrup. Um, I've had Uh-oh. some sushi rolls, some uh, cups of um, ice cream, each individual scoop. And um, I had one, oh, actually, this was a demo that I, I did one time um, was to blow a cup and make it look like it was filled with hot chocolate. Um, oh, and then the, the other fun one I like to do. So I will often have um, guest artists come in. Uh, and uh, do demos. And uh, two friends of mine, uh, one is one of my best friends who uh, has since passed on. Um, but uh, he and another friend came out. And um, what we had the students do is everybody kind of wrote something, anything on a piece of paper, and we threw it into a hat and then picked two. <laughs> and I remember one, we they had to make... So the guest artists had to make whatever these kids chose and one was a turkey sitting on a slice of bread and another one um was a sock monkey and a squid i believe and so they had the squid kind of attacking the sock monkey so so i can't even imagine how they went about creating we have we have a lot of fun with that stuff that's (laughs) awesome that's that's awesome all right We'll, we'll, we'll wrap up the, the school teaching thing. So before you went 
we hit the button. You said tomorrow is your first day back in class, right? Back in class, still not teaching glass blowing with only two and a half months left. Um, Mm -hmm. We are not unfortunately going to open the glass studio. Um, you know, it takes a, about a week to warm up and then uh, a week to safely shut it down. And the timing, unfortunately, is just not going to work out for that. Okay. So I'll, I'll be so back next, teaching yeah. art. All right. So next fall, hopefully the glass studio will be I up and functioning. I sure yeah. hope so. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but that's your day job. Mm-hmm. Your other evening job, maybe weekend job is you have your own glass studio. I do. How long have you had that? Let's see. We've had that going. Well, we opened it uh, right when my first was born and he's about to be 11. So I guess 11 years I've had that going. And what is your primary output at your studio? Um, I do a lot of different things, but since the pandemic hit, I've been doing um, a lot of vases. Um, I love flowers and I love, I've pretty much kept flowers in my house uh, constantly. Um, and so um, I decided to make these really just colorful vases, you know, being stuck at home and looking around and, and like, I just needed something different. Um, so the vases that I make now kind of came out of uh, being stuck at home and, and doing really colorful stuff. Previous to that, I actually did a lot of uh, clear sculptural work, which I still do. Um, but I've been focusing on the colorful vases lately. All right. And I'm on your Instagram page where I accidentally hit a video. That was that little noise you might've just heard. Cause I wanted to see, I'm looking at a picture of a, I'll read you your description. Maybe this will jog. This is from March 21st. Uh, and your description is, did you know that most glass colors look different when they are hot? Swipe to see the before for this after. Okay. So, and it's a rainbow bowl. If it's, if I can have your permission, can I steal that picture and put it below our page so that people can reference this? Oh, if they're of looking course. At okay. All right. That's pretty cool looking. Can you, then we're going to ask you to describe with words, a visual thing, but <laughs> how did you, how did you, What's the process there to get those colors? How you how does that happen? Because it looks very different than some of your vases. Is that uh, the transparent color fade one you're looking at? It does look like it's okay. transparent color fades. Yes. Yep. All right. Got it. So, um, yeah. So for the, um, I guess I'll backtrack a little bit. So um, maybe I should talk a little bit about how I get the colors like painters buy tubes of paint. I buy, I buy rods of color. So it comes in a long rod and you chop off pieces and that's what you melt down. So how how do you, because glass breaks, Mm -hmm. how do you control the breaks? So you're not just shattering the entire rod of glass. Oh, I have a diamond saw. Okay. So you're actually sawing it through. Okay. So it's not like you're taking your hammer and tapping off a little bit. You're using a very sharp diamond saw to cut off a piece of the rod. That's what I do. Now, some people do use a hammer and a piece of angle iron or some sort of contraption like that. Um, It's not as controlled as the diamond saw, but you can do it that way as well. Um, So I cut off, you know, I kind of play with the rods. Luckily, I can take the rods and put them next to each other and decide which colors I like together. I cut a chunk off put it in what's called a color box, which is a little oven, warms it up. Um, it's got to be about, nine, what do I set it at? Uh, 10,000 or 10,000. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 1,010 degrees. <laughs> um, I uh, pick it up when it's 1,010 degrees and, and kind of melt it. Um, and then I wrap it around um, the glass. So for the opaque ones, um, I apply each, um, color individually. I wrap it around for those color fade ones. I actually just kind of pick a chunk up on each side of the clear glass that I've gathered. And then I heat it up and just kind of swirl them together, um, on the marble table to get that, that pattern. That's it. Wow. So I'm looking at another picture here and it looks like these are your color rods that, Mm-hmm. From, from the angle, it almost looks like they're candles. Yeah, they're kind of. I mean, same yeah, I mean, shape. They almost, yeah, they look well, and it's the texture from what I can see in this photograph. So, where are you getting those at? For who's the uh, 
provider of the color rods? Yeah, I primarily use Gaffer and uh, what's called Reichenbach. So um, Olympic Color Rod uh, in Seattle um, carries Reichenbach and Gaffer Glass. Um, they actually started off in New Zealand. Uh, they're... Um, Warehouse is, or their studio is now in Portland, I believe, solely, um, but they have a warehouse in Kent um, that I get them. So those are the two main colors that I use companies. And so how long, how, what's the size of these rods? Uh, they actually come, um, they're weighed and you pay by the kilo. So mm-hmm. the sizes totally vary. But, but I'm looking here and they all kind of, in this picture that you have, mm-hmm they all look like they're relatively similar lengths. Are we talking a 12 inch rod or are they about, longer? Or? About some, okay. oh, some are definitely longer. Uh, some are shorter. Yeah. Some are right. thicker and some are skinnier. They're awesome. I mean, the some of them are, are hand rolled. A lot of them are hand rolled. So they, they vary in thickness. So these are, okay. So in some cases, are they machine rolled then? Are they using a machine to create these rods or is this, or is this handcrafted all the way through? You know, um, I think that Gaffer and Reichenbach still hand roll, but I'm not positive. I know some are machined. Uh, okay. I, I don't have the exact answer for you on that. I'm pretty sure most of them are still hand rolled though. You didn't know there was going to be so many questions. No, that's you? good. No, these are, your work is cool. So I'm, Sorry, I'm looking at pictures. That's the, the, the well. Mesmerizing. You know, well, it's, you know, well, and I'm afraid that the videos are going to go off. And, and so are these photos on your Instagram, is this your, is this your studio or is this in Sammamish? Nope, that's my studio. This is your studio. And so for some reason now the pictures don't want to load. Technology is not my friend. Yeah, it happens. Your, your vases that you're currently making. Let's go ahead and uh, walk us through. Um, how long does it take you to make a vase? I, I, I you've been doing this for years, so you're going to obviously, you know, oh, it takes me this long, and that doesn't, you know. But what's involved in making a vase? Um, the longest part of making a vase, I feel like, or maybe it's about half of of the time making it is applying the color. That definitely takes. Uh, the bulk of the time. Um, yes, I have spent 27 years to get to this point. <laughs> right. Um, it's funny. I, I, I keep seeing this post every now and again, and it has to do with pricing art. And it, it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, just because it only takes me an hour to make a vase, I've spent 27 years leading up to being able to make that vase. Um, so I would say, yeah, about an hour, give or take. Uh, sometimes there are like, oh, this blew out a little funky. It's going to take me a little longer to fix this. Or, you know, if, if everything goes perfectly, about an hour, sometimes an hour and a half, if there's things I've got to mess around with. So what happens if you're working on a piece and you've applied color and it's just not coming together? It's just, it's not. You, this may not happen to you anymore. I'm sure it's happened in the past. You know, it, it's just not coming together. What do you do with that failed? I mean, can you throw it in the oven and melt it down and use it again? Or not if there's color it just, in it. Okay. So once the color's applied, mm-hmm. we're committed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so then unfortunately it's a, an accident. Let's, okay. So you're in, you're, you're blowing this piece. It takes you about an hour and then it goes into the annealing oven, correct? To be cooled down correctly so that it doesn't shatter. Shatter. (laughs) How many, how long is it? How long does it go into the annealing, into the oven for to cool down? About about 24 hours. And how many of those can you be putting in the oven at one time? Cause you're not just making one and putting in the oven for a day. Are you doing more than one at a time, right? Yeah, we tend to make about uh, four, maybe a little more at in each session. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, you know, like you said, it's not my day job. It's my right. evening and weekend job, aside from parenting a nine and 11 year old. <laughs> so that's about the amount of time we can spend in one shot um, to work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is, I would love to be, I would love to have this as my full-time job, uh, just making my own artwork, but uh, hasn't, hasn't gotten to that point where we pay the bills yet. <laughs> Maybe 
maybe someday. Do your kids have any interest in it in glass? They've tried it a few times. Um, they are still not quite strong enough to support the pipe themselves yet. Um, okay. but they've definitely, they've made paperweights. I've actually, my, um, oldest has sold two already paperweights. Uh, he's Very a little, cool. little budding artist. Uh, they're, um, there's, there's at their age, they're more into video games than anything right now. So we can, we can coax them out there every now and again to give it a try. But you know, I, I don't want to be that parent that forces anything on my kids. If they want to try it, absolutely. I'll let you do it. Sure. Uh, but I'm not going to make them, but yeah, so they've shown a little interest. Well, I think, you know, I mean, there's that line between encouragement and, you know, forcing them to try something and and then rebelling and not liking what sure. you learn to play the piano, for example. Yeah. Um, things like that. Sure. So your Instagram is distracting. That's, that's the, the uh, <laughs> it's, it's very cool. So how do I say what's next? Okay. So you're doing a lot of vases right now. Mm-hmm. You've gone in phases in your career where you've gone from, you know, making a lot of vases to something else. I'm guessing, you you know, what was before vases? What were you doing a lot of before the vases? I was doing a lot of sculptural work, uh, which I still do. So uh, you had mentioned Pratt uh, earlier in our conversation. I too uh, spent a lot of time at Pratt uh, when I first got here. I took a lot of welding classes and got uh, really into uh, welding. And so... um, Actually, on my website, there's a section called Wall Chandeliers, and um, I do a lot of um, welded frames with clear glass drops um, hanging on them. Yeah. And so um, I actually did a big installation at Bellevue Art Museum um, many years ago, and uh, that piece was acquired by the, um, I believe it's Kittitas County medical center that just opened. So, um, they purchased that and that's hanging in their new medical facility in Ellensburg, which is pretty cool. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I really enjoy, um, doing those just pure clear glass and, uh, and, and welding. Welding is, is so fun. It's, it's nice because, you know, glass blowing, you have to do with somebody. You have to have an assistant. You have to work as a team. And every now and again, it's nice to just zone out and, and do something on your own. And I can do those all by myself. I make the drops by myself, the frames by myself. So it's it's nice to have two ways of working with glass, you know, that uh, kind of group effort. And then that, I'm just going to do this by myself, you know? So is your husband in the studio blowing glass with you? He is. So is... What's his day job? He he works for Seattle City Light. <laughs> okay. He okay. Uh, previously was an electrician. Now he is a a meter guy. He installs and removes meters for the city. Oh. Um, okay. So he is and a, so how long is how long has he been blowing glass? Uh, since I taught him when we met. Okay. <laughs> you you met. Okay. It sounds like there's a story there. Um, yeah. So how did you get him into blowing? I mean, what's the story there? How did I you convince him? I kind of just told him that's what he's going to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it works awesome. out. it's actually a really nice relationship. It works out well because I feel like a lot of, you know, a lot of glass blowers get into it because they really like making things. And then, you know, you get, you know, you have to do it with a partner and you need to get with somebody who knows what they're doing. And then you kind of fight over the time to make it your, you know, like, it's my turn to work or it's my turn to work and you have to help me. And, you know, which is all well and good. But then he's like, oh, this is pretty cool. But he he doesn't feel artistic. So he just really likes the mechanics of doing it. And oh. so he's not concerned about taking my time to make his own stuff. <laughs> okay. Um, well, no. So he's, he's the, he's the craft, the craft of it, if you will. Exactly. The, the, the technical. And okay. studio tech. It's fantastic. Okay. Yeah. He hooked my whole studio up. If things break, he fixes it. And that's just, it's perfect. Well, that is, that is, that is a good working relationship. It is. That's, that's cool. <laughs> that's very cool. No, I'm just, I'm looking through 
So when I'm looking through it, all your work is sold on your website. So it's like, you know, it's there are still a few pieces on, on there. Well, it, it, it doesn't give, it, <laughs> I've noticed with, when it says sold, it doesn't give me a lot of details, but I'm noticing some similar color palettes mm-hmm. between say a vase and a bowl. Mm-hmm. Are you making those at the same time? No, not necessarily. No. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Now I don't know what to say. <laughs> you know, I, I guess to, to touch on that a little bit, I find that that vases sell more than bowls. Uh, plus, personally, I prefer vases because I'm a flower person. So I tend mm-hmm. to make more vases than bowls. Um, mm-hmm. But I like to throw a bowl in there every now and again just to mix it up. So who's doing your photography on your website for your for your art? I am. Nice. I kind of do everything. I do my website, the photography, I make the glass, I grind the glass, I promote the glass, I do my social media, I teach, I parent. What else do I do? I go boxing. That, that, that little, yeah, little I wanna, free time okay, I have so, left. <laughs> so, so one of the things about it, we always like to ask people what they do when they're not doing their the thing that we're talking about. So when you and I had talked on the phone, you had mentioned boxing. Mm-hmm. Huh? <laughs> What's the, what was the motivation and inspiration to, to, to try boxing? Well, you know, um, after having kids, I, uh, I gained a little bit of weight and I got to the point where I was like, I am not comfortable anymore with this extra weight. And I started just going to the gym. And after about a year of going to the gym, I just had to get off that feeling that I was a hamster on a wheel. Um, and so I started looking for other options and, um, kickboxing came to mind. And so I I tried a kickboxing gym and I was like, this is cool. I was like, but I'm not much into the kicking part. I really like the punching though. And so I started researching and found out there was this boxing gym right in white center, about two minutes from my house. And I was like, huh? So I called up and took a class and that was maybe four or five years ago. And I've been there ever since. Really? Mm-hmm. So I know no, nothing about boxing. I mean, you wear gloves, you, you hit each other. Yes, I know that, but that's not what you're doing for training. Is it? I mean, you're not going in and sparring as your workout. Are you going and working out against a, or, or well, you're, you're giving me that look like, Nope, you're wrong. So are you going in and, doing three rounds with somebody? You know, um, I have done a little bit of sparring, uh, but no, I am not trying to train to become a professional boxer. It is purely for um, fitness. Uh, But yes, I I have tried sparring a few times and it is very uh, exhilarating and (laughs) um, exciting. But no, I don't ever want to get in a ring and fight for real. I'm too old for Mm -hmm. that. I am a parent. I can't afford to lose any more brain cells from getting knocked in the head. You know, when we spar, we've got the the head 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 gear on. Uh, But no, of course, with COVID, we have not worked with a partner in over a year now. Um, So it's a lot of heavy bag hitting, um, learning technique, and calisthenics too. I mean, it's a well-rounded workout. So... And it's fun. It's every time it's different. It's not go to the gym, get on a machine, run for a half hour, go lift a few, you know, it's different every time. And it's just like, I am not bored of going and it's been almost five years, I think. And it's every time it's exciting. Okay. That's, that's awesome. So you do have copious amounts of free time because, you know, like you said, you you teach your mom, your (laughs) wife, you, Oh, you got a studio, you box. So when you're not doing any of that, where are some places in in your neck of the woods that you think are kind of like, are you a coffee drinker? Oh, yes. Um, okay. I spent time barista-ing. Is that a word? Barista-ing? Um, mm-hmm. Yes, I am. Uh, I love coffee. Uh, absolutely. Um, I uh, barista-ed for Cafe Darte, and I am a huge Darte fan. I still get it mail-delivered to me. Uh, yeah, Tarmina's my bean. <laughs> ah, okay. So what's your, uh, what's your coffee beverage of choice? Um, you know, I just tend to do... Uh, you know those stovetop espresso makers? Yep. I make mm-hmm. a full pot of that. The mocha pot? Yep. 
Okay. I make a full pot of that. That's my drink. And then if I'm going for something sweet, I'll, I'll add a little chocolate and do a mocha. Okay. Yeah, no, that's the stovetop espresso machines are fun. Oh, I love it. You know, kind of comes out, you know, I'm that person. I don't travel without it. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I take my AeroPress with me, so I get it. You know, if, you, if you got the way you like it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, yeah. The AeroPress is easy and it just, you, you know, it just put it all together into one tube and there it goes and it throw it in the car and nice. take off. Yep. There you go. Okay. What about, what else do you guys do for fun and excitement? Uh, we're RV people. We have a, tra- okay. a travel trailer. So we tend to take a lot of, a uh, lot of trips. Um, yeah, my gosh, I love going to the coast. Uh, that's probably my jam. We go down to ocean shores, Copalis a lot. Uh, Oregon coast okay. is awesome, but that's not Washington. So we won't talk yeah, about we, that. We, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, water, I, me and my husband both, uh, are, are water people, ocean. Um, although I prefer warm ocean, I just, I'm okay being by the ocean. (laughs) What about the kids? What are the kids like? Everything. Where do the kids want to go? Uh, they love going in the trailer. Um, they love to be outside. Uh, my husband likes to surf and he's recently kind of got them wet wetsuits and got them in the water. They're, they're water people too. They could spend all day in a pool or, uh, in the ocean if they didn't freeze so, to death. So where's your husband, where's he surfing at? Um, Is he surfing up at like at Westport? Or? Uh-huh. Yep. We've gone to Westport okay. a few times. Um, Oregon coast again. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. It's all right. <laughs> Well, that's okay. So that's pretty cool. So we'll come back, we'll circle back to your, to your art because you've, you've words escape me sometimes. Yeah. Um, you're in gallery one in Ellensburg. Yeah. How'd you end up there? I just, just, it's, I'm only asking because of, I went to college in Ellensburg. Oh, nice. And, and, um, not to insult Ellensburg, but when I think of art, I don't think of Ellensburg. Oh. I kind of think of the rodeo, you know, and, and totally. that's, uh-huh. or in my case, beer drinking, because um, that was college. Yeah. But Gallery One's a very cool gallery. It is very cool. You know, um, we actually stumbled upon it on one of our um, camping trips up to Ellensburg. Um, okay. It might have been, actually, it was the year... I too went to the rodeo for the first time a few years ago. I don't get me started. I wasn't a big fan, but anyway. Um, well, I don't go to the rodeo. I mean, that's what, that's what I think of with Ellensburg. Is yeah, no, for funny. sure. My kid really wanted to go and I thought, what the heck? I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Anyway, um, <laughs> Ellensburg's pretty nice, but I, we stumbled upon the gallery and um, I kind of, you know, they, they actually, the first thing I did was they do a... Um, what do you want to call it? Like a holiday themed call to artists around the holiday season where they choose a form. And so one year it was a a reindeer head and any artist could participate where you would get this, I think it's just like paper mache reindeer head, and then you would art it up and then show it in the gallery. Um, So that's kind of the... I feel like my first, uh, working with them. Um, and then Instagram, you know, um, both galleries that I'm in right now. So I'm in gallery one and, uh, um, Oh my gosh. Gray sky Sky gallery. Thank you. My, my kid just (laughs) popped his head in and I'm like, no, go away. Um, gray sky (laughs) down in Pioneer square, both of those, um, we kind of connected on Instagram, they found me or I found them. I don't remember. Um, so Instagram has been a great tool. I feel like during the pandemic for artists. Um, Mm -hmm. and so both of them kind of reached out and said, Hey, your work is awesome. We'd love to show it. And it was like, okay. So, yeah. And then you've got a show going, at least according to your resume, you know, of your website says you're in St. Petersburg, Florida as well. Yep. I've got one of my wall chandeliers up at the Imagine Museum uh, in St. Pete. Very cool. Uh, very cool museum. Oh my gosh. I was able to go out and see the piece in person um, and check out the museum. And it is awesome. It is really just a great museum. So pretty, cool. pretty honored to have my work in that. So I'm going to put you on the spot because I'm going to reference a very specific picture on your website. Okay. So on the page where it's 
got your King five evening news story. And then your galleries, there's a picture of you sitting at a table with your hand, like there's a, it's a globe of glass. I mean, and like, you've got like a, a towel underneath it. Like you're trying to smooth it. And it's kind of a opaque. You're wearing a, like a yellow arm sleeve um, to protect your arm. Uh-huh. And the glass is a little bit lighter than that. And you're concentrating. It's, you can see the, the glasses on the pipe and it's over the edge of a table. Like you're, you're rotating it in doing some form of finishing work or smoothing or shaping of some sort. I'm trying to find that picture you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and I'm just curious what you're doing in that particular picture. So am I holding a tool? You are no one hand. I can't. Yes. I don't know what you're holding. It looks like a golf club. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what you do. That's why I'm asking. So it's your rot- the the glasses on the pipe. You're, You've got the glass hanging over an edge of a, of like a wall. You're sitting down on a wooden table. So I would be sitting at the bench. Yep. That's okay. You're sitting at a bench. Your right hand is underneath this glass object with a towel. Oh, I'm using a newspaper, a wet newspaper. Oh, okay. So what are you, what are you doing? Is, is that the picture you're talking about? Does it look like? I think it, well, maybe it's the it looks like a newspaper. Yeah. Is the, ta- the yeah. towel you're referring to is touching the glass? Yes. Okay. So that is actually a pad of wet newspaper. And, okay. you know, have you ever done uh, ceramics on the wheel? Uh, no. Okay. You've seen it though. You've seen the movie Ghost, I, right? Everybody's seen that, right? Yeah. Well, you use your hands and the wheel's spinning and you smooth it out. Well, so yes. this is Glassblower's way of being able to do that only instead of my hand touching the glass, the pad of wet newspaper is in between protecting my hand. And so I am shaping the glass with the wet newspaper. And so your, your left hand is kind of rolling the pipe back or rolling the pipe to make, to make the movement. But then there's this, it looks like there's a, just from the angle of the picture and it's not, but it looks like there's a golf club to your left. And I think it's the, you'll, you'll go look at the picture and you'll go, what's he talking about? Um, (laughs) So, because we've talked about a very visual medium here today in, in audio format doesn't do the visual medium all that much justice. Where can people find your work to go take a look at it online? You've mentioned Instagram. So what's your Instagram handle? Yeah, Minnesota glass. Okay. That's original. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I know, right? Ooh. <laughs> and <laughs> where else online besides Instagram can people find you? Uh, and Yep. My website, which is melissamasota.com. Uh, I've also, if you're old school and have Facebook, uh, again, Minnesota glass on Facebook. <laughs> okay. Awesome. I haven't quite reached and, oh, out to the other social media platforms yet. Uh, people have mentioned, Oh, how come you're not on, is it TikTok? TikTok. I got, I, I feel like I just got a grasp on Instagram. Don't throw any more at me. <laughs> well, we'll come back to that in a second, but, um, but also you mentioned you're going to be doing a show in May. Oh, yes. Correct? Thank you for reminding me. Uh, yes. Uh, Full Moon Market. Um, check them out. So they have been doing virtual shows on Instagram um, since the pandemic, but they are holding their first in-person show uh, down in Pioneer Square um, on May 2nd, right before Mother's Day. Hello. Um, and uh, I am, I'm pretty excited about that. So yes, if you want to see my work in person, um, you can come check out that show. And um, I know they're doing... Uh, they've got it all planned out with social distancing, um, limiting uh, the amount of people that can come in. And it's, it's a pretty big event space. Um, I think it's called the 101 Event Space in Pioneer Square. Um, and it's from, ele- I want to say, 11 to 3. Uh, but they're also doing VIP tickets. Um, you okay. can check out their website and uh, find out more information on that. Great. Well, thank you very much for taking some time out of your, you know, busy schedule. And we're probably keeping you from the boxing gym this afternoon, I guess. Maybe. I now know. you're keeping me from my but kids. I, it's Easter, right? Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for making this happen. And, uh, any, any last words that you have go for it. Uh, no, I mean, find me on Instagram. Give me a shout out, a follow, uh, share, you know, 
word of mouth is, is the best way to to get around and and thank you for inviting me oh it's our pleasure this is this has been a lot of fun awesome all right well we're gonna let you go awesome. have a good have a good rest of your day thank you you too Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.